is that I can't live even for my parents. I can't mm-hmm. live for their will. At the end of the day, as a Christian, as a believer, I have to live for the calling that I have on my life. My calling may not be to be a doctor. episode of Christ Podcast, show where we inspire the masses to become financially free while building God's kingdom. On our podcast today, we have Mr. David Simon. Mr. David is the founder and CEO of Kingdom Social Media. In this podcast, we will discuss Mr. David's entrepreneurship journey and how he teaches business owners and ministry leaders how to leverage their social media for growth. So thank you for being here, Mr. David. Thank you for having me on, Dami Lola. Truly an honor and a pleasure, brother. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm grateful. That's great. That's great. So my first question, who is Mr. David Simon? David Simons is a man of God. Uh, he's a husband. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. Um, and it's in that order. Um, and someone who's looking to create as much change in the lives of others as possible, as much as possible in the area of understanding their gift, marketing uh discovering developing their gifts and marketing their gifts that's what's that's, that's really great so what led you to become an entrepreneur you mentioned that you that's one of the things you are so what led you to become an entrepreneur yeah um really just not fitting the mold of what society of what uh traditional ways of thinking are i was not really good in school i was not really i didn't follow rules very well uh, I got into a lot of trouble as a kid. So <clears throat> I just loved the ability to take ownership for things, right? Or uh, whether it's good or the ownership wasn't, you know, the things didn't work out to the way I wanted to. I liked being in control of my own destiny, you know, my own my own ship. So um, I think I started as an entrepreneur. First, first thing was like lemonade stands, right? As a, as a kid. And then I uh, graduated to um, running a record label. Had a record label and, uh, called Burnt Out Records in in high school. And then uh, what I used to sell on the side, I used to sell CDs in, in school, blank CDs. I don't even know if you probably don't even remember those. You might be too young for those. Uh, we used to burn CDs and sell and sell the CDs to people. And um, yeah. Wow, 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 wow. So how did you go from you know, selling lemonade to having your own, you know, music product, music, music group, you know, um, but now, you know, owning Kingdom Social Media? Like, what was, like, the path, the transition that you was making, the change? Yeah, so uh, mm-hmm. I want to say it started, um, I think it's in the blood, right? My family's from Ghana, West Africa. My grandmother was a hustler. You know, she she hustled in the streets in 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 a place called Quata Kraba in a, in Cape Coast. <clears throat> and then my mom, she's a nurse, but she's always been a hustler too. And um, and so I guess it's in my blood, honestly. That that and so so starting out, I just I just felt like, hey, uh, I'm gonna be real with you. I was like, hey, uh, I don't want to eat these uh, tuna sandwiches every day. The mom's making me in high school. 
I want, I want, I want options. I want, I want, I want, I want the uh, Frito boats that they sell at school. I wanted the biscuits, whatever they had. I'm telling you the real truth. That's that was a motivation in, in high school. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be limited. So selling, selling things like CDs, and then the record label. I just love music, and I've always been a, a fan of music. Been in media, um, and that grew naturally. I used to produce beats, make beats on Fruity Loops, and. Um, and then from there, I left uh, high school, graduated, but I'm always transparent about my story. <clears throat> I was actually expelled from high school in my junior year of high school. I cracked into the system. There's this pressure, African pressure to succeed, right? Lawyer, doctor, engineer, accountant. That's it. That was all that was respected. I was supposed to be the engineer. My brother's supposed to be the doctor. And in my junior year, I wasn't doing well in the English class and I was getting a D and I was like, man, rather than going home and tell my mom I'm getting a D, I was like, that, that seems like torture. Let me go ahead and try to figure out another way to get this grade up. And, uh, <laughs> and so I uh, hacked into the system, changed my grade from a D to a B and then somebody told and, um, and from there I was expelled from the high school and the district. So you can imagine the pain I brought my mom, my mother, especially being an African immigrant who immigrated here through education. Education was her ticket here, and she always harps on education. So leaving there, uh, miraculously, I get accepted into uh, Sacramento State University, where I'm studying engineering my first two years. First year, I hate it. Second year, I'm like, I mean, first year was fine. Second year, I hate it. I'm like, how do I um, transition out of this? So um, I, I said, I'm gonna change my major to digital media, because I was always fascinated with that. And my mom was like, what are you doing with your life? You know, like, I put you in school. And this is what you're going to do with your life. You need this, you waste this nonsense, right? Like, like, um, and I just followed it, man. I followed the passion. I said, I, I like this. I like this media world. So from there, I uh, started helping uh, to help friends of mine with their MySpace pages for listeners who are old enough to know what MySpace is, <clears throat> um, MySpace <laughs> and, and Facebook. I was using that for fun. From there, uh, I took all of those things and started to develop uh, ways to grow pages. And then from there, I led from one thing to another. I left uh, Sacramento, California, moved to uh, New Jersey initially and worked for a company called TerraCycle, where I handled digital marketing campaigns for Frito-Lay, Craft, Huggy, Staples, and all these other major CPG companies. And I took all that information and essentially I was a one-man band running a digital marketing agency within a company that was doing recycling. And I essentially became like a, a an agency within, an, within a company. And I said, well, why don't I create my own? So um, I started creating uh, Curated Kingdom social media on the side. And it led from one opportunity to the next. And, and here we are today. Um, we're we're um, six years in, and we've we've served so many clients, hundreds of clients, um, in all the faces, all the facets of digital marketing. No, that's that's pretty impressive, and you know, uh, and I can relate to you, you know, in terms of getting suspended in high school. I actually got suspended about last year mm -hmm. uh, in high school for selling candy because uh, you know, like, it's just wanted more. You know, you want something more. Uh, in our life, I was tired of just half hands buying whatever sneakers that they will buy me, you know, I want to display the sneakers and clothes. Uh, so I can definitely, I can definitely uh, relate to that perspective. But one thing that I wanted to uh, ask you about, you kind of mentioned, you know, when you got suspended, you know, the the reaction you got from your mother, you mm -hmm. know, like that, you know, education, you know, 
like how could this be you know my only son da 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 um i can just imagine like what was that process like you know that conversation like one of the most memorable turning points in my life even though i didn't change in a positive way till much years much later um it's really the drive that keeps me going today the the fact that i I had to face my African mother and see from her face the tears that were streaming down her face. But it wasn't tears of like, like crying. It was like anger and disappointment. Like she wasn't trying to cry, but the tears were coming. And she was so hurt to her core that it shook her, right? She was like, this is the same thing. And I didn't understand this then. This is the same thing that she used to be the one of the only people in her family. She has six siblings, um, and she was one of the only ones to immigrate from uh, Ghana to London and then to the U.S. So education was literally her world. And the same thing that she used to get here, I disrespected, and I didn't appreciate so it hurt her to her core. And my mom is one of my major drivers for me is to show her that every investment she made in me wasn't in vain. It's to show her that all the sacrifice, all the things she did wrong, all the things she did for me and my younger brother, I appreciate it. And, I, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. So when I think about that, that thing triggers me to say, hey, get, get on it, Dave. Stop, stop slouching. Stop, stop. Even if I'm not really a slouch at all, but, but, but to, to, to really make sure that I, I refocus. Um, so it's, it's, it was one of the most pivotal turning points for me as a, as a, as a young, young man. Now, and I want to also add, you know, as you, you know, change your concentration or your degree from engineering to digital marketing, you know, I'm sure you had to have another conversation where, you know, just, I know what it's like being that, um, coming from African home, Nigerian, like you said, as doctor, lawyer, engineer, now as nurse. And if you know none of those four or none of those top five, like, what are you doing with your life? Um, they don't, entrepreneurship is a foreign word. So how did you go about having that conversation, you know? And what is that relationship like now between yeah. you and mother? Yeah, you know, it, I'm so glad you bring that up because that's a, a that was also a, a big turning point. Like I had to, you know, the, you know, the pressure to succeed and the pressure to become what they've always wanted you to become. And, and I had to, I had to break from that shell. Like, yeah, I could possibly do this engineering thing, but I'll be miserable. And mm-hmm. I knew that. And um, so I, I knew I wasn't going to get a word in. So I wrote a letter. I wrote my mom a seven page letter breaking down in wow. detail why I'm not going to become an engineer. And I'm going to go into this thing. I wish I still had that letter. I got to find it. Uh, um, why I'm not going to become an engineer. I'm going to go into this thing called digital media. And, and I knew, cause I knew if I tried to have a conversation, I wasn't going to get a word. So I said, mom, read this and let's talk about it. And, and <laughs> she, she, she was just like, whatever. I, I don't know what to do with you. And, and um, she did not think it was a good idea. All, all the way up until I got even got my first really serious job in the field. Still didn't. Um, and I think she's come to grasp with it today and still still asks me about, um, you know, and I think Africans always think about stability. A lot of people think about stability. 
Um, <clears throat> but today she has a much, much more respect for it. I, I, you know, I'm blessed to be able to help her uh, get money to build her home, get, you know, get, get, you know, do, do small things here and there. I haven't done the big things yet. I haven't bought her the, the dream crib I, I want to get her or, or some of the things that I want to do. So I'm, I'm motivated to do that. But um, today it's a, it's a different, it's a different position. It's a different respect uh, of what I do. Um, I don't think she fully understands it still, um, you know, but today it's, there's a, there's a more of a respect than there was, there was before. I still got, I got, still got some levels to get to, to where that respect will be ultimate. No, that's well said. And I want to ask, you know, what would you want to say to someone who, you know, who may come from African back home or, you know, or just being in the same situation where the four career goals are becoming a lawyer, doctor, and but that's not really what they're passionate and they don't want to have this conversation with their parent. And as you know, you know, school's about to start like in the next couple of weeks um, for most of these students. And you know how it goes, all these kids go to school, they flop out and they start living the secret life. So what would you tell to that student before they go on and do they live the secret life? Mm, great question, man. And you're you're a great interview, by the way. Um so so I would say that the thing that actually helped me to do that was actually my mom. She doesn't realize it. She helped me to 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 make a decision against her will. And because she used to watch a lot of Oprah, right? And Oprah had this one episode, I'll never forget it. It was this kid, this guy, I, I forget what background he was. I, I forget either Eastern European, Jewish, I don't remember. But but he was this guy that uh, he parents wanted him to become a doctor. He became a doctor and he did really well financially and successful and all that stuff. But he hated it. And he came on the show to tell, like, to came on the show to, to show what he really enjoys doing, which is baking cakes. And he became an amazing baker and did great work in baking. And I never forgot that episode because it showed me, I was like, well, that's fulfillment. It's not, it's not just doing something purely for the money. You know, you got to do it because you really feel it's something you can make an impact with and something that you can, um, that will, will give you fulfillment. So I say all the, I say all that to say is the same advice that I got from that show is that I can't live even for my parents. I can't mm -hmm. live for their will. At the end of the day, as a Christian, as a believer, I have to live for the calling that I have on my life. My calling may not be to be a doctor. I have, I have uh, already an innate, motor inside of me that shows me I, I didn't decide to love media it was innate I just drew towards it and I know that I have to navigate I have to gravitate to the things that I'm drawn in my spirit which I know are usually of good things that are going to help people right but you have to follow what's in what God has put inside you to do and what you feel a yearning towards what you can't get enough information about this is some things that I look for when I'm trying to find something that I'm supposed to do um, is I can't get enough information. I can't, I can't keep studying enough about it. I, 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 I want to learn as much as I can. I want to, I'll sit and study. I'll never forget. This is when I knew I was like, yo, this is the world I need to be in. I was in my uh, junior year of college. 
I was um, always told as a kid, David, you're so lazy. You're so lazy. You're so lazy. You know, and and I thought I, I thought I was lazy. Um, but this is an epiphany moment where I was literally in the um, student lab for the media, the media lab. And we had to work on a video assignment. I was working on a video assignment and that video assignment wasn't, you know, like I wasn't working on it because it was due the next day or anything like that. I was I was working on it because I really wanted to just finish it and get it done. And I didn't even realize how much time was going. It was probably like five o'clock. I had worked on that video from five o'clock that evening to five o'clock the next day for 24 wow. hours. And I didn't even really realize it. And, and that's when it, it sunk in with me. This is, there's something here. I need to follow this media thing. So if you have strict parents, you have to establish and understand and let them know that their your parents are not going to always be around and you're going to have to live with their decision for your life. If you, if you follow their path for you, and they might not even be around to, to see you live into the fulfillment of that thing all the way through. And here you are living someone else's dream with your life. You got one life. So you better take advantage of the life you have by doing what you know is in your heart, the right thing to do. Wow. wow. That, that was really great. And I like the fact that you mentioned, you know, yeah, fate, you know, how that this is something that you believe that God has called you to, which leaves us to ask, you know, how has your fate helped you in this entrepreneurship journey? Oh man, it's been everything. Um, there, there are highs, there are lows, and there are going to be more of those, both of them. And um, I can truly say God has helped me through this process um, in many ways. One, one incident I always um, recount and share is, is that first, first three months in entrepreneurship, a full-time entrepreneurship. So I was... Uh, I was at, uh, I had just, so I didn't share this, but for the dream job that I had in uh, a TerraCycle, that the, the place where I worked uh, in the in the corporate setting, um, I was there for um, four and a half years. I always wanted to leave. Um, and and I, instead of leaving, uh, I was let go, right? Let go from my dream job. I was the global digital media manager. And so, but I had, I was already had some clientele on the side. So I was building this business. And, uh, it was, it was going, it was going smooth. And, um, so I, I was, I wasn't too, too disappointed. Um, when, you know, I got, I was like, wow, I, 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 the humiliation of getting let go. But on the other hand, it's like, wow, I get to, I get to live in this dream that I I've wanted to, to be, which is an entrepreneur and, and doing my thing. And, and so now I have a client, this is two weeks after getting let go two weeks later. I lost my biggest client that big and big lesson for entrepreneurs. That client was 60% of my revenue. Wow. 60%. I was just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Right. So I already just got, I just got let go. And I, I just remember the panic and the fear and the disappointment. And I'm just in a state of shock. Um, and I just prayed and cried out to God and God, taught me something that I'll never forget. He shared that, David, it was easy for you to trust me when you had a job. You knew that, you know, this deposit, direct deposits coming, you know, you knew that this is going to happen and all that. 
and you knew that, um, you know, it was easy for you to tie. That's easy for you to do the things, you know, you needed to do. Um, so you could trust in me when you had a job, because there's really not a lot you need to do to trust me and in in you have a job. But he said, you need to trust me as you have a business. I am still your source, even mm-hmm. if you have a business. And that was hard to understand and accept because, wait, God, I'm the one going out here making it happen. And he's like, no, no, I am the source. And I, I didn't know he was going to prove it to me that he was the source a couple of weeks later. But he said, so he taught me this lesson that no matter what, if you have a job, I'm your source. If you have a business, I'm your source. Even though you're the one grinding and going to make it, make the deals happen, close the deals, you know, meet clients, all that stuff. So two weeks later, after getting let go, I lose my biggest client, right? Two weeks after, after this whole experience of losing my biggest client, God puts in my heart, reach out to former clients and, and past clients. I just started doing some outreach and, and doing some connection, right? So I did that. And um, one of the clients was like, Dave, I'm so glad you, glad you reached out. This is perfect timing. We, uh, we actually need some support. And um, I, I was like, all right, great. So they're like, all right, cool. Um, th- this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. And that deal ended up being five times as much as the client I just lost per month. Wow. And, and so God has been integral in, in, integral in this whole process for me. Um, I can't do it without him. And uh, I wouldn't try. <laughs> wow, wow. That, that, that's pretty amazing and you know you know I want you to go into detail like that lesson that you learn you know because oftentimes in entrepreneurship you know we get one client or we get one deal or whatever or we see something working we get so caught up that we either, either we get too comfortable to learn or you know to grow so what were you able to learn in that experience you know once you that that partnership ended yeah great question you know that exactly, you know, there, you know, there's a scripture that talks about, or the or, or story in, uh, in the, I think it's in, I think it's in Genesis, ex, Exodus, Exodus, about um, God's people, you know, getting manna from heaven, and then all of a sudden, you know, the manna stops, and they're like, wait, what's going on? Like, you know, um, that was the reality of that. Like, I, I did get, there are some points I did get comfortable, like, wow, you know, I'm making X amount of dollars and, you know, I got this steady thing coming <clears throat> and um, I learned that um, God is always, always moving, right? So it's never like, you never get, you should never get comfortable because if you look at the laws of nature, there's only two, two things that are happening. It's growing or dying. There's no, there's no in between in nature. Nature just doesn't say, I'm just, I'm just coasting. Like no plant is just coasting. It's growing or it's dying. It's one or the other business. You have to be growing or dying. You're going to die either way. So you're, you're either headed towards growth or you're headed towards decay. And, and I didn't realize that at that point. And I got comfortable. I did get comfortable and, and they switched later that, that specific partnership uh, it was about eight eighth month into the contract, they switched partnerships, and this person that came over, I didn't have favor with that person. That person was a really unruly character, and a, a couple months later, we ended up that ended up that, that thing ended up drying up. So, m- my point was, like, I learned from that experience that you can never get comfortable, like, 
like like and my mindset has changed and i'm not i'm not saying this to brag or saying i'm just i'm just giving room for context um uh last week we closed a a closed a deal um about 15k for a deal right after that i'm on the phone still working the phones like nothing happened because i don't look at that anymore i don't look at the like I, I have a mindset now that's like, I can't be comfortable. You know, I, I started zero every day. We start at zero, you know, um, like, so I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, somebody, somebody might be like, well, I just did that last week. That was great. Well, no, last week, that's, that's last week. What, what did I do today? Yeah. That's very true. That's very important. It reminds me of what you call it. There's um, Nehemiah Davis. He always says all the time, you know, never check the scoreboard. Every day is a new day to get better. Yeah. And this is definitely um, something for those who are listening, you know, to learn that every day is a new opportunity. Every day is a new opportunity to grow. Either you're growing or you're dying. Yes. And that leads us to ask, you know, in your six years of, you know, business, you know, helping influence influencers, business owners, you know, what are some mistakes you see people make when it comes to, you know, marketing their brand, you know, bringing more awareness for their brand? Man, the first mistake, and I've been guilty of this, is stop, they stop doing what works. Like, if something's working, you know, you got a marketing thing, you got a ad, a ad process going, you got, you got uh webinars going, you got whatever it is. Like if it worked, keep working it. Don't stop working it. And, and I've been guilty of that. Like I said, um, because there's something in psychology where people just feel like, oh man, well, let me, let me go ahead and try something new. You know, like, wait, why? Just, do what was working. If you're, if, if, if the podcast is working, keep doing the podcast. If, if, if the webinar is working, keep doing the webinar. If, if the, if the challenge is working, keep doing the challenge. So I keep a lot of mentors around me and I see them. And I'm, and one of the things I'm admiring, specifically one of my mentors is Myron Golden. And I see this guy, you know, execute the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. So that's one big one. Another one I'd say, um, when it comes to, it's, it's kind of, it's, and so with that first one actually is being consistent, right? It, it kind of goes to hand in hand, right? So do keep doing what's working, but also keep being consistent, right? Like there's, you just never know what happens can happen from your consistency, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, um, your posting, whether it's your LinkedIn strategy, whatever, whatever it is, is consistency is the key. Um, that's what draws people in. But if I had to add, uh, I wanted to add a, another another piece that I see uh, a mistake that people are doing wrong is they're not thinking about the fastest way to build trust online. So when you think about trust, right, business is done by the speed of trust. And so mm -hmm. this, this is why I, um, I, I like to mirror this in my business practices. If you look at the hierarchy of trust, the fastest way to build trust online is what we're doing right now, like live video, right? Person to person. I can hear you. You can hear me. Like, like, so why not leverage webinars? If a person is not leveraging webinars, if you're not leveraging Facebook lives, Instagram lives, uh, LinkedIn lives, live video is the fastest way to build trust online. So every business should be incorporating some, some type of 
version of live video. My preference is webinars, but yeah, that's my thought, thought on that. No, that's, that's really great. That, and I'm glad you mentioned webinars. Okay? It leads me to ask you my next question. You know, you know, what's your thoughts on using webinars versus creating challenges? You know, I see like a lot of entrepreneurs, especially with Myron Golden, he's very big on challenges. You know, that's something that they do five-day challenge, three-day challenge. While you have some other people, you know, they like webinars. So, you know, from your experience, you know, what would you say is the pros and cons of these two different marketing strategies? Yeah. Um, Great question. In fact, I think I just posted something about this today too, that uh, I say do both, right? Um, uh, I say do both. Why not, right? And um, I'll, I'll go into the pros and cons of both. Um, webinars lead people, can lead people to your challenge. So you can leverage them one to the other. So you can get more people to come sign up for your challenge. Um, I am yet to do my first challenge. I'm about, I'm about to do my first challenge. It'll be coming up, uh, here this September. I'm going to be launching a challenge. And, um, the thing that I already noticed, uh, the difference is, you know, one, a webinar is shorter, right? It's going to be, you know, hour, two hours, some cases, three hours at one time. And you're going to be able to, you know, get some information from that person and, and and get some feedback and get some information that can help you. You can also get some information that can help you from the challenge. The challenge is more immersive, right? Where you're, you're asked to do something and get something done. And as you get something done, you lead from one thing to another. Uh, and the, there's an objective to leave with at the end of it. So a webinar, there's no real objective to leave with uh, of you getting something done, a challenge actually forces you to, to leave with a, a goal of, of something completed. So that is an advantage. But at the same time, if you're, if you're clientele, like, or, or, or you're somebody like me, I struggle to sit through a five-day challenge. I don't got 11 to one every day for five days, right? Like most busy, productive entrepreneurs aren't going to have the time to dedicate all that time to go through a challenge. So, and I've, and I, I and no offense. I, I mean, I've been a part of Myron's challenge. I've never been able to complete a full one because of just the, the things. And maybe, maybe there's some things I got to work on. Um, but, but I, that's the, that's the challenge of a challenge is that people have to dedicate time to be able to go through the process and get it done. Um, and not everybody has that availability every day. Uh, and then the webinar is in one shot. So it's usually you can make an hour or two hours available for yourself and in one shot and that's it. You're done. You present the offer. So I like them both. So I say entrepreneurs do them both. Now that's, now that's, that's well said. And you know, like with both, whether the webinar or the child, it all comes back to the customer, the client that you're trying to get to buy your offer or product. So, you know, what are some keys to having great success with someone buying your offer or product? Great question. It's having a great offer, right? So every great um, offer should do majority of the selling, right? I had, uh, and I, this has happened to me multiple, time, multiple times, I, I share what we do. You know, hey, hey we, we, uh, we do a service called White Glove Webinars. We run end-to-end -end marketing to market, to, to, to get your message, market your webinar, and clarify your offer um, in every stage. And we handle everything A to Z, 
right? So most people hear, oh man, I need that. Literally they just say, I need that. And, and you need an offer that is so good. I, I learned this from Alex Harmozy. One of my, one of my favorite reads that I've been uh, rereading. It says a uh, hundred million dollar offers, how to make offers so good. People feel stupid saying no. Right. Like, like that is, that is where the offer helps to sell it. Because if the offer is so good, it doesn't matter about the price. If I said, so if I said to you, Demi, if I said, um, hey, if you give me a thousand, I'll get you 10. You know, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You give me 10, I'll get you a hundred, hundred K. You'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Like, like I, I didn't go into full detail, but, but my point is <clears throat> your offer is what um, helps to sell anything. If I just said the same thing, I said, if you give me a thousand, I'll show you some principles and, and teach you how to um, learn learn marketing. That's cool, but what's the payoff for me? What's the payoff for you? You want to know what's the payoff for you? Like it's it's about what you can help that person get. So um, one of the ways that I I do that is by having an amazing offer. Like um, I was on a call just earlier, just like right before we came on here. The lady's considering me and another uh, another service provider. She said, you're double the price of the service provider, but I like what you're offering, right? Like, like it's not about the price. It's about the offer. So that's what I, um, that's what I believe in. It's, it's, it's uh, making an offer clear. And then great salespeople are great listeners. That's, that's what it boils down to. If you listen well, you're going to sell well. You got to be a great listener, anticipate the client's need, um, potential client's need. Um, answer their answer their questions and solve them, solve their problems. No, that's that's really great. I want definitely want to say, you know, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your journey, your entrepreneurship journey. You know, I want to ask you, where do you see yourself in the next five years as an entrepreneur, as a digital marketer? What do you see yourself in the next five to ten years? Yes, uh, next five to ten years, definitely. Uh, five within five will be. You know, I anticipate us being a twenty million dollar company. Within ten, uh, I do believe we'll be a hundred million dollar company. Um, and I will, I will be heavily vested in the government contracting world. I'm already working on that now, um, because guess what? When a recession, when all this stuff hits, guess who's never out of money? The, the government. government. The government has always got money, and and it always going to have a need. They're always going to have something to serve. So every business owner should have uh, private contracts and government contracts. I believe that. So that's where we'll be from Kingdom Social Media side. But I, I truly believe I'll be operating completely in my full purpose, which is to help people to discover, develop, and distribute their gifts. So um, I have a goal. I have a goal to impact a billion people. Um, and, and when I say impact, I help, I help 1 billion people to discover their gifts and learn how to monetize those gifts uh, to, to bring glory to God. And, um, that's my goal. Will I hit that in my lifetime? A billion people? Maybe not, but the vision is beyond me. I can't do it in my own strength. And so, um, I know God is going to take a move of God and, and other young people to mobilize, to be able to make it happen. So that's, that's what I see myself working fully in that and, and, and working on my nonprofit angle that, that serves that. If you can quickly, you know, um, go into detail about your digital market, you know, for those who may be interested in being working with you in Kingdom Social. For sure. 
Um, you can find us at kingdomsocialmedia.com. Uh, you'll probably see, you know, a few of the things we do, white glove webinars, premium online programs, uh, sketch to schedule a call. We could chat, uh, be me or somebody from my team and how we can serve you. Um, if you're looking to grow your business and scale your business, uh, through webinars, uh, we, we are, we are experts in that. So, um, yeah. That's good. And I would definitely want to say thank you for your time. You know, for those who are listening, you know, I hope you guys don't see it as another podcast guest that's on the Wealth in Christ podcast. I hope you guys take this information and apply it. You know, if you guys are looking for a group of Christians who are looking for, who are building towards financial freedom, look no further than join the Pray and Invest group on Facebook. And if you guys don't know, I have a free study guide which can show you how you can get started in the stock market completely for free. And you can get it at my website, wealthinchristbrand.com. And thank you again, Mr. David. Thank you, Demi. I appreciate you, brother. Oh, proud.